What's up, guys? Welcome to, to the whole lot of Mets podcast. My name is Mendy, and I have Jem from MetsJunkies.com, a recurring guest on the whole lot of Mets podcast. We talk about James McCann. Yes, James McCann, the catcher that I spoke into existence for the New York Mets, the catcher that I made so many podcasts about. Yes, James McCann is a New York Met, four years for $40 million. We talk about that, and we also talk about the Mets' new GM, Jared Porter. All right, guys, let's roll. What's up, Mets fans? We have Jem from MetsJunkies.com. Jem, how you doing today, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. This episode is basically just going to be my victory lap about how the Mets finally signed my guy. <laughs> I spoke it into existence and it happened. Mm-hmm. And I called the money too. Although I said it's going to be three years for $30 million. It turns out to be four years for forty. I'm not upset about it at all. I am stoked. I'm, I'm so happy. Jem, what is your first reaction when you heard your news that the Mets have signed James McCann? Well, my first reaction is I'm glad that it's actually a name that can make an impact on our roster immediately. Not saying that Sam McWilliams won't do so. Definitely not saying that Trevor May won't do so. However, I think as far as impact-wise, I think fans were looking for something bigger. Here you go. Steve Cohen is in the house, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And like I've been saying on tons of my podcasts, um, there is not a better fit out there value-wise and just overall fit than James McCann is for our New York Mets. Um, For mm-hmm. $10 million a year, you can now go after Bauer and Springer. You can now sign Springer, which I think he's going to get around 500 500 damn. Um five years around a hundred million dollars. Um, so I think that not only do you have an all-star catcher now, you can now add an all-star pitcher and an all-star outfielder. And it's just, it made so much perfect sense that I, I'm shocked it took as long as it did. Well, I think there was some, incentive as far as um, the agent's concerned to possibly strike up McCann's price a little bit more. One thing we heard in, I guess, these final hours was the Mets, at least for this is something from John Heyman, something I always expect from John Heyman, um, talking about how the Mets are also keeping tabs on Rio Muto. I wasn't at all even cons- I, I wasn't even taking that seriously. I really thought that was some kind of effort to buy up McCann's price or maybe guarantee on the fourth year. Whatever happened, I at least if it was in McCann's favor, I think it worked. Yeah. Um. Although I do think um the Mets' interest in JT. Um, was basically a way of saying, hey, you know, like, I'm not going to overpay McCann. Um, so I guess it was a way of scaring James, maybe, to be like, hey, like, I'm going to walk away. There's a better option out there. And money is not a problem for me. I will walk away. You know, like, you are not um, a number one guy for us. And we do have to consider that McCann was keeping in touch with 
the Anaheim Angels or the Los Angeles Los Angeles Angels, whatever they're called today. Um, he was keeping in touch with them, so there was a market for McCann. I believe there was even a third and fourth team on that list. So um, it's something that it wasn't just for McCann to say, um, let's you know, let's speed him up to the deal, but it also got the Mets as well to kind of say, let's just lock this down. 100%. Um, so usually what I do is I play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. but I just, I can't see the downside, Jim. Uh, um, because I'm on Mets Twitter, right? Just like everybody else's. And I see people upset. And it's just, I can't see it that way. Like, I can't see one bad thing about signing McCann at $10 million a year. The same contract, well, the same amount of money that you paid a fat Wilson Ramos. <laughs> An all-star catcher in James McCann, you're upset that you're paying him $10 million? Like, I don't see the downside, Jim. Um, can so, you maybe play devil's advocate? Because I can't. I don't think the anyone being upset out there is comparing it to Wilson Ramos and what we had in the past. I think they're saying what could JT Real Muto's projections be? And if they're looking at something like 26 doubles, 22 RBI, 73 RBI, I'm sorry, 22 home runs, 73 RBIs for the upcoming season with a 263, 330, 468, 798 slash, if you're comparing it to that, it's something that they could possibly be upset at. However, I don't know if those people are considering the actual length of the deal as well as the full value because it gives you, again, room. This is something that me and you have talked about in the past on the Mets Junkies podcast, but it gives you the room to go ahead and mess around with other agents, mess, mess around with other free agents and, and maybe even make a bigger splash. And that would be great. Yeah. Um, 100%. And it's also a contract that's not going to handicap the Mets. Um, like, no. do you think that Familia um, is handicapping the Mets right now? I don't think so. I um, mean, he's going to get paid the same price that yes. McCann is going to get paid. Exactly. Um, so worst case scenario, right? Worst case scenario. I, I I don't even want to say, right? Um, but let's say he's he's not. I don't even want to say. But let's say the contract isn't as good of a value as we think it is. All, all right, ten million dollars for a catcher isn't a bad contract. And once again, it's ten million dollars. Ten million dollars to our savior, our messiah, for Cohen means absolutely. He wipes his ass with ten million dollars. Right. If he's a right. bad contract, he'll be cut. All right, everybody calm down with that. Unlike if JT Realmuto gets signed for five years, 150 or 125, let's say, right? You now have JT for six years. No, no, no matter how good he is, no matter how bad he is, whether he's healthy, whether he's hurt, you are stuck with JT until he's 36 or 37. All right? right, you, right. He is your catcher no matter what. And he's not going to be able to play catcher for all six years. Um, so he's probably going to be catcher for the first two to three and a half years. And then he's going to have to play first base. And if he's going to have to play first base, what are you going to do with Pete Alonso? What are you going to do with Dom? All of a sudden now, 
not only do you have a bunch of first basemen, you are paying JT a boatload of money, and you still don't have the catcher. So, like, I yes, I understand that JT is a better player. I'm not saying that James McCann is a better player in any way, but mm -hmm. you're getting James McCann for about one-third of the price and for less years. So, obviously, obviously, they're not the same player. Obviously, I'm not saying that. I'm not dumb enough to say that. But value-wise and fit, it's right there. I don't care that he's not JT, all right? We're not going to go out there and sign JT and Springer and Bauer, guys. Wake up. Wake up. Although, although I'm going to say one thing, though. The Mets are $53.5 million under the salary tax. So, the, so is Springer and Bauer even a realistic option? Because if you think about it, right, you don't want to pay the tax because once you go into the repeaters tax, then you're just you're just f right. right, all right, right. Um, so if Springer gets around twenty three a year and Bauer gets around twenty five a year, that leaves us with seven million dollars. So what are you gonna do with the uh, um with the rotation? What are you gonna do with the bench? You know, like there are other needs than just one pitcher and one center fielder. So so the more I'm talking about it, the more I like McCann even more. But the but the dream of getting Bauer and Springer is starting to die in my head a little bit. What do you think? Well, when you lay it out like that, I you kind of killed it for me too. I, <laughs> I had I had hopes for both guys. I really did. <clears throat> Pardon me, um, Mendy. I definitely had hopes for both guys. Um, if I would have to put my money down on one guy, I think I'd go, I, I think this might be the minority here, but I'd go with Bauer. I think more people Thank would you. like, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'd go with Bauer here. I like Springer. I don't think anything's wrong with Springer, but I think after two seasons, Springer is going to be pushed over to one of the corner positions. And that's something that we're already having a surplus of. So Let's not create any more of a log jam in those positions. Um, yeah, so – and uh, just going back to your point with Real Muto, I, that's something that all teams are, ha are having to consider now as far as the length of the deal. Is he going to be able to catch that long? No team is going to realistically say, okay, JT Real Muto is going to be our – first baseman in six years. That's a part of the plan. That just doesn't make sense. So, you know, Real Muto is putting himself in a tough spot. It's going to be really interesting to see where he lands. Um, but going back to what we were just talking about, I definitely would like to see Bauer over Springer. Bauer will take over that um, rotation hole that desperately needs to be filled and then the Mets can go ahead and I'm pretty sure you're thinking the same thing. The Mets can go ahead and pursue a Jackie Bradley Jr. for yep. a shorter term deal and get even more defensively. So I think that would be a really good look. I don't think you're going to get Bradley to be your leadoff guy. You might want to try it but I don't think he's going to stick around and be your everyday leadoff player. Um, however, he would be, uh, I think, another very good grab as far as someone defensively. I want to backtrack again to what we were just talking about a little bit, Lee. 
um, for McCann's contract to be a bust, he would have to be a bust defensively as well as offensively. And that's just not realistic. That is just not realistic. Can he not thrive as an offensive catcher in a big city field? Yes, that's possible. He, we, the Mets will still get their money's worth as long as he's handling the pitching staff correctly and putting up a plus defensive game. And yeah. this is why I'm telling everybody that, listen, look at his last two years and love all those, love those last two years all you want, the advanced statistics, love them all you want. What they did was they just padded up his price a little bit. I have no problem with that, but I'm going to give him leeway offensively. He's not going to be my number five hitter in any sense of the means. He's not going to be my number six hitter. He's going to be my num- number seven, number eight guy, depending on who else. They can? Yes. I mean, I think that he's a number five hitter right now. Um, I don't see in it. My eyes, I think he's that good. Um, and I think to get him on that type of contract is such a good deal. And I'm so happy about it. But another big thing with McCann is Wilson Ramos couldn't catch, number one. And number two, Syndergaard wasn't happy with him. And DeGrom wasn't happy with him. All right. So we had to watch Tomas Nito and like mm-hmm. Ali Sanchez and all these guys catch our, our two best pitchers. Um, so if McCann can get on the same page as DeGrom and Syndergaard, that's such a big upgrade. And people don't go and realize that because the Mets can never score runs with Jake on the mound ever. Now, okay. And I'd part like of to... the reason was Wilson Ramos was, was not DeGrom's catcher. Um, so not only do you have a much better catcher, you, you also have a much better bat to help out Jake. And I think that if he if he gets on the same page, that's such a big upgrade. And I think that that's not even being talked about right now. Now, tell me if I'm wrong here, and I may be wrong. It's um, But when Wilson Ramos was signed, I don't think it was ever the intention for him to be the actual full-time catcher. I think there was a split time role that was planned. I don't think so. I think that Wilson Ramos was going to be the full time catcher, um, which in my head, <clears throat> thinking back now, is kind of a little crazy mm-hmm. because it was only a matter of time until his knees gave out on him. Look at him. You know, like, is Bartolo Colon a catcher? No, his knees would give out on him. Um, so I think that Brody didn't take that into consideration either, which um, which kind of backfired. But that's why I catcher. don't believe. That's why I don't believe that he was brought on. And I, I I do remember. I could be wrong again. I do remember the Mets saying that he was brought on to catch about 110, 120 games, which where the Mets were supposed to leave the remaining to Travis Darno. I think the blunder there, and I know people have argued this, was letting, uh, you know, I, I said the blunder, I think the blunder is letting Darno go. I think a lot of people argued with me on this saying, hey, well, you know, he was given every opportunity, and I do understand that. I do understand that. However, I think that in Wilson Ramos's Met career, I think that would have played out differently if, Travis Darno was still a part of the plans. I don't think that, he, you know, I would he have been running? Would he have been Lance Johnson to the first down first base? No, absolutely not. He would have been a, a slow Buffalo heading down that line. 
However, I think the Mets have might have gotten more production out of him. Um, I think that Darno is one of those guys that just needed a new city. Um, right. I think that New York got too big for him. Um, I think that New York is just too much for him. And sometimes the best thing for a guy is just to move <clears throat> and just to get out and have a new scenery behind mm-hmm. him. Um, so I don't. Uh, um, so at least in my head, I don't think that Darno would would be a better catcher. But look at the Mets catchers since like 2007. All right, we had Rob Rahas. We had Josh Tolley. We had John Buck. Yeah. We had Travis Darno. Right. We had Kevin Plowecki. We had, um, I mean, Wilson Ramos. We've had, who was that guy that we traded away? I, I, I mean, like, for the first time in easily 12 years, I think that the Mets have their catcher for the next four to five years. And it's good Knowing that, because I know that after McCann's contract is done, we have our franchise catcher coming up. Um, so I think that we could be set at catcher for the next 15 years. And knowing that, and knowing that McCann is young enough to where the contract isn't going to turn into an albatross because he can't stay healthy or, or because he's getting too mm-hmm. big, um, I think that that also plays a big factor that... Francisco Alvarez is just going to get right in there and he's going to have a veteran to learn from too. Unlike JT, if you have him on the team for six to seven years, you have Francisco Alvarez coming up within the next three to four years. And then you have him at catcher and then JT doesn't have a position getting paid $25 million a year. But uh, people are so into the now and yeah, well, JT is a, better player now yes 100 percent um but if we get jt we're not gonna get bauer we're not gonna get springer we're not gonna get lindor mm-hmm. we're not gonna get arenado you're, you're you're gonna handicap yourself for yeah right now he is the shiny lamborghini well he's well he's he's not even shiny he's the used lamborghini compared to james mccann you got yourself a, a nice audi and you got yourself um, uh, Lamborghini coming up, you know right. what I mean? So, yeah, if you're just a little bit patient and smart, it's so much of a better move. Although, I'm going to say one thing, um, which is going to transition us into the next topic. It's it's not a coincidence that the same day, the first major signing that the Mets had, a couple of hours later, they... Uh, they announce, or they didn't announce. Um, there are reports that the Mets have signed, um, that the Mets have finally got their GM in Jared Porter. Um, so I don't think that that's a coincidence. Um, I think that maybe Sandy Alderson wanted wanted them to make sure um that Jared Porter is on board with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why the James McCann thing has been floated out for what like five days already i don't think that's happened because maybe they didn't have their gm in um in the office yet and they just wanted to make sure that that before they go out and make a big move like this they wanted to make sure that the guy calling on the shots for the next four to five years um is on board with this what do you think well it might be a coincidence that neither has 
um, have been officially announced. That might be the coincidence of, if anything. However, you're right. You know, a major on-field move was made, and it's likely that there were they were talking to a general manager. By the way, his name is Jared Porter. And, or I should say at the time, he was, um, what was the role? Uh, he was the assistant, assistant general, general manager, manager as well Church. as the VP, something like that. But he was definitely the assistant, he was definitely the assistant general manager. As far as his background, he has been mentored by the great Theo Epstein. He's been executives with both Boston and the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Um, so which leads me to something else, which I told you off mm-hmm. here, um, which maybe this is the mess we are saying, hey. Sandy, Sandy Alderson is is taking a big role this uh, like this year. Um, so maybe this is the Mets' way of saying, "Hey, Theo, like take your so-called year off, and then the New York Metropolitans are yours." You know, like go ahead and enjoy your fake retirement, and we have your guy as a GM who has been under you for years and years and years, um, as you could come, you could be the president of baseball operations. And we have your guy just in case you want to come and take over the Mets. What do you think? Well, you know, now that you put it like that as well is sending, I I like the idea with giving Sandy Alderson a a good send off. I have a ton of respect for Alderson. I think people have hated the way he's treated the media. I loved it. Loved really? It. Personally, I loved it. I thought I the media loves him though. Uh, That's the, I've never heard the, that. Before. The me- so the media loved him. However, I feel like the fans were just taking him way too literal. Um, that that's at least the way I was perceiving a lot of the comments. Um, because he said how he rather have Nimmo um, than Giancarlo or something as a joke, and everybody exactly. was like, "Oh my yes, god, this yes. guy's a- and Panic City things of that oh, nature." Yeah. So there, I think there were a few instances that really ticked off fans, and I just thought it was, I thought it was great. I, I think the, I think the media that was there with him also thought it was great. Um, I, I don't know why fans were so hard at him uh hard on him like I, I think a lot of people have to understand that they he was under the thumb of the Wilpons and that's a big deal that you know that's proven to be a big deal with not just Sandy Alderson with other GMs as well so that's you know you, you kind of have to erase Alderson's track record with the Mets. You kind of got to give him a fresh slate. I like the idea that you're giving him a really nice send-off. And if that's possible to get the name Theo Epstein on board would be the most sweet man. New York would just be baseball. That, you know, forget the Yankees. Forget every other team. 
New York, New York Mets baseball. I I don't know what to say about that. That would be a dream come true. <laughs> one thousand percent. Um, although I'm gonna say one thing about Jared Porter. He makes a ton of trades, or at least as an assistant GM, he made a ton of trades. Um, he makes out well on the minor trades. I'm like Zach Gallen is a fantastic young pitcher, um, and I think they traded for Kettle. Marte yes. too, which turns out to yes, be an amazing yes. player too. So like the mid tier trades, he nails. Though he traded Paul Goldschmidt, their franchise guy. They didn't get a lot back. They traded Zach Ranky. They got a nice package back, but nothing like oh my god, which kind of gets me a little nervous because trades are a big thing in baseball. Was he around? And- was he around? Um. For that Shelby Miller trade as well, do you know? I don't know. I think he was with the Cubs okay. then, or at least, or at least I hope he was with the yeah. Cubs because that was an absolutely terrible it, deal. Know. Like he, I remember it happening, and and I was like, hold up, Shelby Miller for the number one overall pick? Are you right? High? Yeah. So if so, if that's him. Oh man, why'd you have to remind me? I I, I really, I really, really, really hope. I want to say you're right. I, I want to say that was a little bit longer ago. I, I so I do want to say yeah. you're right. I hope so, but <clears throat> I'm I'm a little bit scared on the trade wise because if because if you think about it, right, <coughs> the Mets' big targets right now are Arenado, Allen Dorf, and they're all gonna have to come over in a trade. So the fact that he's not re- really – or the fact that his past really hasn't been great with blockbuster trades gets me a, a little bit anxious. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm honestly not worried. Really? Because he knows um, who he's working for. Steve Cohen is a big Met fan. He's a known Met fan within, I guess, the circle of owners. He's been – made himself he's made himself known on social media as well which has been a step that we've seen no owner maybe mark cuban except for take um so i really think that he will have to get some things approved and i think those things will be trades i don't think that he's just gonna have free reign to trade anybody and everybody. I think that Steve Cohen is really bringing the best guys on board as far as a team. I do also believe I read that this will not be the only hire. Maybe the only hire before... Yeah, this, this may be the only hire before Christmas... However, there may be a couple other add-ons in the front office before the new year. Hmm. I didn't hear about that. So that actually um, hit so just before, that. just before we went on. I believe Joel Sherman tweeted that. Oh wow! Um, so that is kind of big news. That's um, who actually the, broke this deal to begin with, I believe. Um, I think it was John. Okay. Amy, though. Um, but um, but you have to remember that the Mets did fire. Everybody, everybody was sent out the door. So right now they don't really have a analytical department <clears throat> and everything like right. that. So maybe, so maybe you have Jared Porter coming in and he brings over his 
his guys because the one thing that I've been reading a lot about Jared Porter is that he's a big, young, <clears throat> analytic guy who is also a very good scout. Um, so maybe he comes in and he brings his bunch of nerds. I'm so, um, I'm sorry to call them that. Um, but he brings in his own set of analytic guys and they get to work right away. Um, which I hope happens. But but right now the Mets organization is basically Cohen, Sandy, and Jared Porter right now. Um, so one thing that I think yeah, that I, we're kind of forgetting is we're really gonna have to see how Jared Porter and Luis Rojas pair up. Are they gonna get? This is something that we definitely have no inkling about they have no idea so that's going to be a brand new experience regardless of whether all the wheeling and dealing that goes on <clears throat> pardon me mendy i have a little bit of rough throat going on uh regardless of all the wheeling and dealing that could go on there's gonna have to be that established relationship between a general manager and manager as well so that's something that's yet to be I'm seen still- and we're going to find out yeah when I heard the news that Luis Rojas is going to be on board, I made a podcast saying, what if he's on board to be if something goes wrong, he's the scapegoat? Compared to, like, let's say let's say the Mets go out and they sign McCann, Bauer, and let's say Liam Hendricks. I don't know, right? Um, so, and, and the Mets are, let's say... Um, thirty-five and forty in June. I think that I think that Rojas is the scapegoat, and oh man, he's gone because everybody's gonna say, "Yeah, well, he wasn't Jared Porter's guy." So once Jared Porter's guy comes in there, there is no excuses. Um, so I think part of the reason of keeping Rojas was that just in case and anything goes wrong, with the expectations being as high as they ever yeah. were. I mean, worst case scenario, I I don't even like the idea of firing firing him in June or July. I prefer to keep the manager on always full year. That way you really get to free up your options at the end of the year. It's, um, you know, because you never, there's always surprise moves being made within the front office as well. uh, That affects the staff. So that tends to free up some jobs. We're seeing that this year with Billy Bean and Theo Epstein and just, you know, so that, that usually causes a shuffle. So, the, you know, I don't like the idea of bringing on Jared Porter's quote-unquote guy in July or June. I'd like to see that being done off season. So I'd prefer to see Luis Rojas, if he's going to, if but he's going to be sca- scapegoat, let him be scapegoat for the full season. Don't don't make two guys scapegoat. Let let just one guy. I hear, I hear you, but I don't think that Jared Porter is is, is going to get his guy in July. I I think that they're going to let the Mets bench coach um, become the Mets manager, and I think that he's going to last the season. Um, um, unless he completely takes over and the Mets go on a roll, um, I think that I think that the bench coach is gonna last the season, and I think that they're really gonna begin the manager search in in the off season, and and I think that Jared Porter is gonna pick his guy then, even if Rojas gets fired in June or July. So I don't think that that really impacts no. it because I don't think that there's gonna be a big 
manager move in um in the right. middle of July. I, I don't I don't think that ever happened before, has it? Well, I think Willie Randolph was um it was it yeah, Willie Randolph got fired and Jerry Manuel took over on the road. But then he was fired the next season. Um, it was no Jerry Manuel. I think had a year and a half. Yeah. Um. So he finished that year, and then then um the year after that he got fired. The Mets sucked that year. I that was right. that was bad. I yeah. I remember that. Um. So I still think that Jared is going to pick this guy next off season, unless Rojas has a manager of the year type of type of year. Although. What do you think Jared is going to do? Because I broke down the tax numbers for you. So let's say they go after Springer and they sign him for five years, $100 million, or let's say $125 million. Do the Mets go after Liam Hendricks and just make a Super Bowl pen and be like, hey, we understand that our rotation is, isn't going to be the, um, the best in baseball, so let's do what the Yankees do. And if the, and if the pitcher lasts us the first five innings, we are going to lock down the last four or the last three with Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Lugo, Liam Hendricks, Betances, maybe even Brad Hand. And they go that way compared to if they sign Bauer and they, and they sign JBJ. Although I was really, I really, really, really wanted David yeah. Dahl and the contract that he got was laughable. And I thought that he would perfect fit. I'm a little bit shocked that the Mets didn't offer that. Even if Jared Porter isn't on board, he got nothing. He got absolute, absolutely nothing. Um, so you could have cut him if Jared hated him that much. I think that that was a missed opportunity. Um, but compared to um, but in, in my head, I, I, would, I would much rather have uh, Bauer, Taiwan Walker, and JBJ offseason than uh, Springer, uh, Liam Hendricks, and a uh, Jake Odorizzi offseason. I mean, both sound really sexy. Probably not the Odorizzi package as much. However, Liam Hendricks does sound like an amazing ad. In that situation, I don't see Lugo a part of the bullpen. I think he's one that you'd probably have to push to the rotation just for um, at least the time being until Syndergaard comes back at least and probably throughout the but that that's is, the bad thing is, about yes. the Springer package because um, um because not only do you not have now three dominant pitchers, you have to take your best bullpen or or going to be your second best bullpen piece and put him in the rotation where he hasn't been as good as he has been in the bullpen. So not only do you not get the former Cy Young Award winner, you have to take what has been your best bullpen object like your best bullpen pitcher and you're now going to have to put him in the rotation where where he hasn't been nearly as good and you replace Bauer with Jake Odorizzi who I absolutely hate and I absolutely hate the numbers yeah. that he's going to get. So that's also a huge downside of George Springer but since um but since people already hyped themselves up so much with Springer that they're not going to care as much until the season actually comes around that they're going to be like, oh, well, why didn't Cohen just go out and spend the extra money and sign Bauer too? Well, yeah, that's, no, that's definitely going to happen. I definitely see that. Um, why didn't he sign everybody? Basically, he has the money. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't understand the luxury tax, even myself to the full extent. However, 
I think some people do understand that um, there is a tax, so hopefully they're somewhat forgiving. I wonder if the if the Mets are going to make any trades to free up some salary. We know that they tried to trade Stephen Matz before they. Um, I, I think it was before they tendered him the the contract. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna do anything to try to make any room. If they do, it's not going to be a substantial amount. So, yeah, I mean. It, it brings me down to back to what we were just talking about. Like, who do we want at this point? Do we want Springer or do we want Bauer? Yeah, but you also um, but the problem with the salary dump is, especially na- nowadays with money being so tight, that if you let's say you want to dump a familiar, you're going to have to right. have a nice prospect. So. If you salary dump, you're also gonna have to give up a prospect, and all of a sudden now you can't. Um, if if you use that money to get a big free agent, all of a sudden now it's not just money. Now it's also a prospect too. So you're gonna have to <clears throat> with, take that the, into with consideration. As deep as everyone is into analytics, everyone's diving into now contracts as well. So, um. You're you're a thousand percent right. It's a lot better to eat and ride out a familiar or um, even a Steven Matz than packaging him up with someone that could be valuable in two or three years. Yeah. Um unless unless you're able to package up, let's say, a Matz and a prospect or a familiar and a higher-end prospect. Not higher-end as in, like, top 15, but, like, a top 25 prospect. And you pair up familiar and that type of prospect um, to Colorado and yeah, get it back. It seems like Oakland is the, only one that, um, is the only one that pulls off those kind of trades. So <clears throat> if they can get um, – what's his name? Wend- um, JB um, – whatever his name is. He seems like a – I think his JB his last name starts with a W. It's uh, it's hard to pronounce even if I was reading it. Um, however, he's a relief what does he pitcher. Play? So um, yeah, JBW. He he would be a great have in the Mets bullpen. He's someone that you would think. Okay, I think we might not even need. Uh, Liam Hendricks, if those are numbers you can, uh, if those are some statistics you could find, you could say, hey, we have a reliever, now we can um, focus on a Bauer. Yeah, um, if I could add, his name is J.B. Wendelken. Definitely definitely an interesting name. Um, I I never heard of him before. I'm I'm not going to lie. But the problem with that trade is Oakland doesn't spend money. And Liam Hendricks is a free agent, and Liam Hendricks was their their number one guy in the bullpen. So I don't think that the Athletics now are going to trade one of their top guys in the bullpen, minus Liam Hendricks already. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that, that makes it, a lot of sense. For if, that, it, if it at, were at least for Stephen Matz, I could see it happening as far as rotation need. Maybe even familiar. They've They've had a past with him before. However, familiar does make ten million this upcoming season. That might be steep for the Athletics, like you're saying. 
Um, I, I think as far as a project with um, Stephen Matz, I would take it if I were a lower budget team. I really would. So that might be up in the air. But again, that's something that you would have to package with a decent prospect. And the Mets would get be getting a decent player in return, in my point of view. Yeah. All right, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? No, I just want to thank everybody for checking out MetsJunkies.com. I do appreciate everybody. I guess I'll plug the Twitter. We're at MetsJunkies on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at the Brooklyn Gem. Um, if you could give me a subscribe on Spotify and Apple and all that, the podcast is called the Mets Junkies Podcast. That would be great. I'd super appreciate it. Mendy, thank you so much for having me on, man. No problem, Jim. It's always an honor to have you on. All right, guys. It's been the whole Lot of Mets podcast. Y'all can follow me on social media at a lot of Mets. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you again, Jim. Have Take a good care. one, guys.